You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. What's up? This is your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. This summer, click into cordless power with Memorial Day savings at the Home Depot. Tackle more than half an acre of grass with the convenience and gas-like power of the Ryobi 40-volt battery-powered mower. And keep your flower beds looking fresh with the 40-volt cordless string trimmer. Then clear leaves and debris with the 40-volt leaf blower. No cords, no gas, no hassle. Click into Memorial Day Savings happening now at The Home Depot and on homedepot.com. How doers get more done. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Welcome to Night Call, a production of iHeartRadio. It's 10.49 p.m. in Panama City Beach, Florida, and you're listening to Night Call. Welcome back to Night Call, a call-in show about our sci-fi reality for your strange days and lonely nights. I'm Tess Lynch. I'm in Los Angeles. And with me are Emily Yoshida and Molly Lambert. This month's theme is Spring Break. And tonight we'll be talking about the 2012 movie Spring Breakers, as well as taking calls from listeners with our special guest, Samara Bay. Samara is a speech coach who's worked on campaign trails, stump speeches, awards shows, and UN addresses, and is a dialect coach on TV and film sets. Her new show on iHeartRadio, Permission to Speak, welcomes guests ranging from actors to activists, exploring the question of what defines a powerful voice and what that means today. Hi, Samara. Oh, hello. Welcome to Night Call. What if that's how I sounded? Oh, hello. <laughs> oh, hello. This is Doubtfire. This is, this is, this is what a powerful voice sounds like. A man like, in drag. I mean, you know, you're in the podcast industry now. You have to do a radio voice. You know? um, <laughs> I've actually been, like, very, very curious about that, yeah. you know? Because yeah. I'm trying to not just fall into some sort of, like, hacky thing that we all grew up with. It comes very naturally to some people. I'm always impressed when I go onto somebody else's podcast and they have their podcast voice down. I'm like, I want one of those. <laughs> like, I mean, I would I would almost argue the opposite that like the whole point is that we should sound 
the same as we do off. Right. We're just hanging out with our friends. Right. <laughs> My dad was a DJ and people would always be like, do your DJ voice. And he'd be like, I'm doing it. This like, is ah! my DJ voice. Yeah. <laughs> That's the dream. Yeah. I like a conversational podcast. Mm-hmm. As I, you can tell. <laughs> I used to get so many complaints when I used to be a DJ at KXLU because I would just sound like so checked out. Like I would just sound, because it was two Excuse in the morning. Me, isn't also. that the KXLU, yeah, KXLU brand? It's KX. No, you have to be like, um, uh, uh, we just played some um, <laughs> fill in the blank of a blog. My favorite is the is band. the teenage boy with the voice cracking on KXLU where it's it's like a little like. Oh, somebody actually just sent us a little message about a show that is on KXLU that is about mushrooms and music. Oh, Oh, awesome. Yeah. There's been a lot of long running like psychedelia type shows on there that have been around since I was on. It's for those who don't know, KXLU is basically the college radio station of Los Angeles because the other college radio stations are like NPR stations. Um, but KXLU is the true like spirit of college radio that we have here in Los Angeles. And at night call. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Samara, have do... you ever listened? No, I've never heard of it until this moment. I was really I, glad for your I had app. never <laughs> heard <laughs> of it until like a year and a half ago when everyone was like, yes, of course, KXLU. And I was like, right, I've only lived here for most of my life <laughs> had no idea. and had no idea this existed. It's all the way on the left, the spirit, as it should be. The spirit of college radio yeah. is alive at Kicks. Like yeah. Here on Night Call, the spirit of spring break is alive. Oh, yeah. For March. Uh, we're not uh, getting brought down by no coronavirus. <laughs> we're going to talk about the coronavirus uh, as it is a appropriately post-apocalyptic Night Call type topic. But... Emily's wearing like a very nice tropical shirt today. Oh, I am. Oh, and Tess is I wearing, planned it. Tess is wearing like some some cheetahs. They're they're, cheetahs? Yes, they're cheetahs. Um, I got some. I got some cutoffs. Going yeah, on. you got nice. a sleeveless shirt. It feels like spring. I have a tank top. Yeah. Well, it feels like spring outside right now. I have like a new burst of energy because it actually feels a little summery. I'm worried now. about the weather. I don't <laughs> like this weather. It's too hot. It went from being cold to hot. It's like 86 right now. Do you feel it's like overcast. it's like too hot too soon? Apocalyptic. <laughs> it, yeah. It's like someone just turned a switch. That's how it is in Los Angeles. But it's like disease germinating weather. Yeah. That's worry. I think Richard Rushfield um, said. Something Something oh at yeah! Some point pandemic weather. It's pandemic weather. It is pandemic weather. <laughs> <laughs> That's a hashtag. Yes, the new, the new season in Los Angeles. Well, before we get into pandemics, let's take a quick night call. Last week we covered um, wellness, and this is kind of bridges. This was a night call coming from Linda. Hey, yeah. I am halfway through your latest podcast where y'all are discussing the film Cocoon in relation to wellness. I immediately thought you were going to introduce the 1994 comedy drama The Road to Wellville. It's all about creepy wellness slash scams and has an all-star 90s cast. We should do that movie for the movie club because I've never seen it either. None of us have. So it doesn't get very good reviews. It's loosely based, I think, on John Harvey Kellogg. The Kellogg serial guy. Mm-hmm. Isn't the Night Call Protocol doesn't get very good reviews, but sounds very strange. <laughs> yes. Well, later we're talking about Spring Breakers, which I forgot didn't get great reviews. Is that true? I thought yeah. it did get great reviews. I think it, well, it got like a 56%, I think, huh. on Rotten Tomatoes. Did it just make, didn't it make a lot of money? It made a ton of money, I, I think believe. we can talk about this later, but I think it really did mark a turning point, both in terms of film and film criticism. Yeah, we we'll I would agree with you. The criticism was intense, yeah, like yeah, very yeah. positive. People didn't yeah. know what to, yeah, yeah. There were a lot of think Stay pieces. Stay tuned. Think yeah. pieces. Yeah. Um, but with uh, John Harvey Kellogg, like he is kind of this example, I think, of s- s- somebody who got 
rich off of something in this case cereal and then went down a path of or, it, or well, did he, one predate the other it he had a really just very strange like childhood and upbringing he came from a very religious family i believe they were preppers mm-hmm. um and at some point he he was a doctor he ran a sanitarium like he did a lot of good stuff in his life um he was an early adopter of the clean living movement no smoking no drinking just he knew lots of really cereal just, just lots, lots of cereal, of cereal. <laughs> which by the way you can prep really well oh that's the thing is it's like you're just, it's a shelf uh, stable thing unless you get cereal moth very serious cereal moth um he but was he super was also, into colonics yeah he was oh. very he was like your gut flora he was one of the first people gut who knew about gut flora and he was an mm. anti-masturbation activist well that's the thing so besides like inventing peanut butter he was also like if you masturbate you're like you're just destroying yourself. Is this related to the graham crackers? Yes, it is. It's all of the, the cereal products along with graham crackers were supposed to be anti-masturbation mm-hmm. tools. And also... Tools. I, yeah, tools. <laughs> <laughs> They're so your delicious. You never so want to feeling, jack off again. <laughs> if you're, Yeah. I think it's all part of just eating like a plain cardboardy diet was supposed to suppress It's your very sexuality. puritanical. Yes. Oh my God. Like if we just eat like wheat paste like for the, the rest opposite of Instead of lives. aphrodisiacs. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Instead of an oyster, how's yeah. this graham cracker? Yeah. <laughs> what is the blandest food? Yeah. The most, like, yeah, depression era. Although this is pre depression era. Yeah. Well, yeah. Like, like, this is like health food also. To be like, bland food is but health food. But it's sugary. That's not healthy. Cornflakes? Yeah. That's frosted flakes, my friend. Yeah, cornflakes yeah. are okay, but graham crackers are sugary. Graham crackers are delicious. Well, I know, his, I love what was his recipe, though. <laughs> That's true. It could have been like the bad Graham, yeah. the bland Graham. What happens in the movie? That's about. a good question. Ooh, I, I, don't have know. A, I have a conspiracy theory. Oh, yeah. Is that why they give s'mores to scouts? Mm. Oh, to that's suppress very their sex drive. But then there's so many like. But then there's gooeyness yeah, and chocolate. chocolate. The chocolate completely negates well, the graham cracker. Well, it's like in Passover, you make a sandwich with the crackers and like the bitter thing and the sweet thing. Yeah. But it's all to be like, here's what you have to repress is your feelings mm, right. about mm. this. I really, really appreciate that analogy. Yeah. I see you with that. Yeah, you keep yeah, it parallels. all in with the bland crackers on the outside. The bland crackers. Like, don't enjoy life too much. Right, yeah. right. I would love to put together a program of wellness-themed movies. It seems like there are more of them than we previously well, We just hit on Cocoon. Well, I, I know, <laughs> yeah. I think wellness and doomsday cult is the Venn diagram of Night Call. It's true. So it seems like that would fit right in. Samara, what are your thoughts on wellness? Um... I feel like it can be exploited way too easily um, and turned into something to just um, make people feel like they're doing another thing wrong. Yeah. Guilt mechanism. And on the other hand, if by wellness we don't mean the corrupted form, then I think we can see it as a call to arms. I'm like literally thinking about Audre Lorde right now. Mm -hmm. It can be a call to arms about the the kind of self-care that actually is like being in touch with your body and remembering that your body uh, is where all your best decisions get made. Right. And so, yeah, I think it's a complicated uh, subject. It is. It's interesting. It was interesting to talk to Jane Marie. She she had a lot of opinions about Goop and Gwyneth Paltrow that I feel like t- I now I'm like I'm like oh I don't know I don't, I don't I think I have to take back every nice thing I ever said about about Goop. She made a strong case. I mean, I thought that was fascinating because she did sort of be like she can do all that other stuff, just don't sell. Just don't sell. Yeah. But I saw something, I did see something also on uh, the Goopstagram that was like a makeup-free dinner 
which is, I believe, a concept I first saw in The Real Housewives of Atlanta. But I was like, that's one of those things where I'm just like, what does this accomplish? Like, you're going to feel better about how you look without makeup because you're like around other people. It's just like, I don't know. Hmm. It feels it, it very... It seems like the whole thing could be so easily destroyed if just one person cheated a tiny bit. <laughs> right, right. You know? And then it's just like... Well, that's what happened Makeup, on, free makeup. Dinner. I believe yeah. that's what happened on Real Housewives of Atlanta. They were like, yeah, you're course. wearing concealer. Like, I can tell. Um, some of these people were probably wearing concealer. <laughs> but yeah, I was just like, what does this even mean? Like, how does this relate in any way to, like, wellness or feminism? It's just like... It made me sad. I was like, you've gone your whole life feeling uncomfortable without makeup. Like, Gwyneth Paltrow, take an improv class. That's what she said apparently on her own podcast, that she felt bad she hadn't done now that she was retired. Dan D'Addario was posting about this. He was like, it's really sad. She's like talking to Julia Louis-Dreyfus and she's like, I really regret never taking an improv class. And now I'm retired. It's too late like, for too me. Late. Take the improv class. <laughs> there are Stop so many. <laughs> selling the yoni eggs. Where uh, she would not be able to fit into an improv class. And that's I think she'd be like, we so need to like create one for Smara, her. Smara. But you could Maybe say, she needs some intensive accent training for like right. an upcoming that's role. Right. Yeah, that's, that's right. Say. I can tell. That that was what I was thinking from yeah. what you just said. She would love that, actually. Because <laughs> she, she seems like such a like type A person, too, where it's like she wants to be like rewarded for being good at things. Mm-hmm. Well, she was like very famous for being a fake British person for a while. She oh, should be. True. Okay, she can sing. She should train with you <gasps> for... My Fair Lady on Broadway. Perfect. <laughs> With Samara, do you have any recollection or opinions about Gwyneth Paltrow's famous British accent? Are you talking about um, like Shakespeare in Love? Yeah, Shakespeare in Love, Emma. There was a, okay. a slight I have a really, I have a really annoying um, answer to that, which is no. Um, <laughs> and secondarily, that there's sort of like a thing among dialect coaches that you don't talk about other dialect coaches' work. And I'm oh, sure she has worked with other dialect coaches. Of course. That makes sense. Um, this is like a whole world because here's the re- here's the reasoning. It isn't just like you know there's a gag order because there's no gag order. Right. The reasoning is, and I know this from being on sets myself. No one knows except the creatives involved, me, the actor, the creative team, whatever, what story we're actually trying to tell with the accent. Right. So it isn't just like there's a good accent and there's a bad accent. It's like, who is this human being and what is she? I mean, obviously, this sounds very generous, but it is true. Who is this human being and what has she been through and how much of an accent does she have? You know, all of us sound different from everybody else. What about accent coaches that are dead? Can you talk... Talk shit on Molly. them. Well, I'm like, I'm like, like, what's the worst accent? You, you want the like mean dishy? No, now dirt. I'm just curious. I I'm have like, to say, I just rewatched um, Mary Poppins this weekend with my kid, and oh. it wasn't as bad as everybody thought. Really? I don't think so wait, either. Wait, the original or the new one? The original. I have okay. not yet. I have not yet dipped my toe into oh, the new one. Yeah, just I checking. would be interested to see what you also, thought about. Also, Lin Manuel is very much not dead, whereas I was well, right, right, right. right. <laughs> he also said that his bad Cockney accent was like in the spirit of Dick Van Dyke's bad Cockney I, accent. I, I would not in put it past him. I would give him all the all the credit. That's See, Molly saying that. Dick Van Dyke's a Cockney accent in, in Mary Poppins is so, like, it's something I never remember not being exposed to. So for me, it's <laughs> yeah. never been bad because it's just like, it's what he, it's what that character yeah, sounds like. I it's didn't. what Bert sounds I, like. I, I had, yeah. We didn't have much of like a real Cockney accent to compare it against. No. To be like, this no. is broad. And yeah. to be fair, additionally, I mean, my, my agent, who's the one who sort of represents all the dialect coaches who do this stuff, uh-huh. she only started doing this in the 80s. Like there weren't dialect coaches right. before mm-hmm. that. Really? Yeah. It wasn't a thing. 
Like if you think yeah. back to the early 80s to whatever prior to that, there's like people who were German sounded British because yeah. British equaled elsewhere. Right. That is true. I've been watching yeah. a lot of Hitchcock movies and there's definitely just like European all over the place mixed yeah. in with American yeah. like Atlantic accent, rich people voice. And it's very, <laughs> very hard to tell who's from where. <laughs> um, that's exactly right. The, the, the uh, rich people voice yeah, is a particular... Yeah, the Grant voice. Mm-hmm. Well, I read yeah. a thing about how he trained himself to do that voice because he was actually working class. And it's elocution, yeah. elocution, which is also like the old timey term that that because they wouldn't have at the time used what I'm about to say, which is white supremacy. Mm. It is fully that that accent of like, this uh-huh, is what educated uh-huh. sounds like. It was taught to people. No one was born with that accent. Yeah. Right. Catherine Hepburn didn't come out saying yar. <laughs> <laughs> we'll take a break and be back with Samara. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Tired of endless diets and weight loss struggles? It's time to say goodbye to frustration and hello to results. Introducing Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD, your breakthrough solution to fight stubborn body fat. Imagine burning fat, balancing glucose levels, and regulating metabolism in just 12 weeks. This unique two-in-one product combines the power of two clinically studied ingredients in one revolutionary formula, berberine, which targets abdominal fat, and OEA, which curbs your appetite, with just two capsules a day. Smart Metabolic Burn by BrainMD can kickstart your metabolism, fight stubborn body fat, especially that pesky abdominal fat, and support your weight management journey. Right now, save over 30% on Smart Metabolic Burn at GetSmartBurn.com, the lowest price anywhere. That's GetSmartBurn.com. Don't delay. Transform your life with Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Our products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease like many of us you might think identity theft will never happen to you but consider this there's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the u.s that's over 15 million people by the end of this year equal to the populations of new york los angeles and chicago combined 
Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com iHeart. That's LifeLock.com iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. Welcome back to Night Call. We were just talking about accent coach. How would you call your position? I, I, the technical thing is dialect coach. Dialect coach, Samara Bay. <clears throat> we are sitting here and Samara and I have the sniffles. <laughs> and it is, I have to say, the worst point in time of my life to have been inflicted with sniffles because we are in the middle of a coronavirus outbreak. I feel like I remember the exact day that, like, earlier in the day, you were like, oh, I, I think I have allergies. And by that mm-hmm. evening, you're like, nope, I have a cold. And it was like the same day that suddenly all of the yeah. news about coronavirus was just red flag all over Are you over saying I'm patient zero? <laughs> yes, no. I am. Yeah, you are Gwyneth Paltrow with yeah. <laughs> But we I will say that Jess, I feel like you and I are like at opposite ends of the extreme because it did yeah. not occur to me at all that this would be the coronavirus. And you're like, just like, it's not. I keep telling, I've mentioned today to six people, seven people. I'm like, hello, I don't have coronavirus. I merely have a cold, but it's like, I'm not 100% sure. No, I mean, my, my symptoms are not. People are on paranoid high alert. Oh my God. And it is yeah. such a weird mood, it's especially because it's like yeah. a very nice day out. Um, but I did see like somebody cough and everybody like, Everyone freaked out. Turned away. And I was like, oh no, <laughs> like this is bad. We were on, um, this is actually like, wait, but when I was in New York a couple weeks ago and there was this girl who I think had just been drinking water and it went down the wrong pipe. Uh. And she started coughing and hacking like, you you know, she couldn't stop coughing. It was just one of those things where you just like you re- really went that. down the wrong pipe. But everybody was looking around and looking at her. She was like, "Guys, guys, I don't have the coronavirus." <laughs> oh my god! Like, I felt so bad for her. It was very dystopian. Yeah. Uh, so that it's it's you know conveniently a great time for us to be in spring break month here yeah. on Nightcall. <laughs> did you see? Um, did you guys see the Akira meme going around today? No. No. Well, I forget how many days it is before the Olympics in Tokyo that might get canceled because of the coronavirus. Um, And there's like a thing in Akira where they're like 149 days before the Olympics um, and somebody has like tagged the sign with like, just cancel them. Good. So it was going viral, just cancel them because everybody was like, it's that many days now before the Tokyo Olympics, just cancel them. Like, it's not worth it. Yeah. Uh, It is a weird uh, on the nose yeah, it's very weird. I think the thing that I, I keep kind of calming down about it and then there will be another wave of things that kind of illustrate how it would just be so disruptive. Well, the to media, life. the media is doing a terrible job, terrible job, because they're both like the government is probably misreporting it to try and like not scare people. Yeah, because that's what that's what they already did in China. That's what they were doing in China. 
And that's probably uh, what a lot of the governments are going to do. Yeah. I mean, I think like one of the things that's kind of terrifying, you, Molly mentioned, so they've, they've called off school for a month in both China and Japan, I believe. And Germany, I heard. And I don't know Germany about the month now. thing, but I've certainly heard Germany for school closures. So that, that was interesting. We've, I've gotten um, communications from both of my kids' schools. They're in preschool and elementary school about like the measures that they're taking to try and keep everyone healthy. Their gymnastics class was like, just please keep your kids home if they're sick. So it's like even when you can kind of tune out the panic, it like just arrives in your inbox. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I, feel, I feel bad that Steven Soderbergh always goes viral for all the wrong reasons. <laughs> you know? I feel well, like it is like Amer- a lot of Americans' only reference point for something like this is like is the movie Contagion for <laughs> yeah. sure, and that's people's only reference point for anything. Yeah, is a movie. When nine eleven happened, I was like, "This is just like the movie Independence Day." That was like <laughs> the Isn't way. Isn't Paltrow also in it. Contagion? Yes, yeah. you guys. She's good in Contagion. She's been doing jokes about it, which again is like she's Ugh. so bad at being self-aware, mm. funny. Yeah, she needs an improv class. She needs an improv class. (laughs) I don't know. Yes, and I, I've been like kind of interested by some of the sub stories around. I think, I think still for us here, it's like it's still pretty abstract. We can only see numbers, and I feel like there's going to be some threshold of number of like you know reported cases where we're going to be like, oh shit, it is probably going to be like actually realistically well below what the number actually is because of people reporting it. But like, I don't know. Did you guys see this thing about um, because everybody's still on uh, quarantine in in or or lo- just lockdown in general in, in um, China, but like in Wuhan, they're doing all these um, like live streamed underground like punk shows and stuff. For oh, yeah, that's really? really cool. Yeah, and they're like all these people are just like doing shows in their living rooms because they can't go anywhere and because nobody else can go anywhere, and it's actually like kind of. It's like again, this is very like dystopian right, with but circumstances. It's like dystopian Wayne's World. Yeah, yeah, but it's like it's but, like yeah. the human spirit yeah. perseveres. It's like super yeah, cool. Like that's life it. will find a way. Yeah, yeah. no, totally. <laughs> I like that because that feels like a weird countermeasure to these Netflix shows now that are like people between a wall and like yeah, yeah. Well, it's just I, I, it's just like I think that there is obviously maybe reasonably a, a desire to not. Uh, report accurate numbers or not send people into a panic but also like the country where they're already not allowed to go out people are coping and people are finding a way to like still you know yeah that's true communicate with each other and not have a complete shutdown of right. society and the I american like, media narrative has been so racist about oh it. yeah it's insane there are i mean i just heard from people here in la that like people weren't going to certain Chinese restaurants in like freaking Silver Lake. How about the people not drinking Corona beer, which is like the strangest (gasps) thing. I heard that story was planted by a PR flack possibly for Corona beer. (laughs) Where it was like, be a real like, you know, show your metal, drink a Corona. It was, I I would totally believe it was fake because it made me, I was, I panicked again. I was like, when people are so dumb and and they're not even drinking beer, what's going on? (laughs) It's funny how people do get to like absurdism really fast, which feels like sort of just the state of everything all the time now is like, (laughs) everything's so insane. Like it could just like the events of Akira, like actually taking place in real time, like a few months after the Blade Runner sort of felt like we had caught up to Blade, like the Carson plan exploded the other day and went viral because people were like, oh, it's Blade Runner. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. It just feels like, what are you going to do but laugh about it? I mean, there's not much. Have any of you guys read uh, the book Station Eleven? 
I haven't. Uh, my husband read it, but yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. then it's not worth. We don't need to bring it up. I've heard it's but, quite like no, no, maybe don't read it right now is what I've heard. No, people, I feel the like, opposite, and also oh, there's really? going to be a TV version. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, but Station Eleven is one of the few novels I've actually like made time for in the last few years. But here's what I want to say: It takes place in all different times, but one of the, the the sort of like primary time it keeps going to is like 20 years. I want to say after a massive pandemic yeah. wipes out like 90 something percent, but it actually left me kind of hopeful because really? I was like, only thinking about the people who made it. Yeah. So I'm like, look, wow. I'm going to make it or not. But so every time I think about these pandemics, I'm always mm-hmm. like, eh, those people will still be like doing their cool stuff 20 years. That's right, after. right. That's the problem, though, is that all of our reference points for this in movies are like cozy catastrophe movies where like a group of survivors band together and like fight against whatever the thing is. If it's like zombies or a disease or like a, you know, earthquake that kills everybody. But there's always someone who survives this might be like maybe just like what if no one survives yeah. no but it's it's supposed to be 98% everyone's okay so it's just 2% which just amounts to like what 150 it's million it's like people? a really violent know. flu yeah it's a really it's terrible just, flu. but it's yeah. gonna kill off like a substantial number of people that well, don't have good health care or oh I mean it's, but it's so is so is climate change health, y'all. yeah that's yeah, yeah. This That's is just more things. immediate. I mean, well, I think this could, like, the worst case scenario is it's like when you talk about people banding together, I'm like, oh, because I immediately think of the stand where I'm like, well, well we're going to have to fight. Right, we're going to split into two teams. Right, that's people's point yeah. of view. Reference point is the stand. Uh, um, I, I I have to say that of all the, like, kind of sub-stories of coronavirus, the one that I really, just really, I can't think about too hard because it feels like a nightmare is the Japanese cruise ship. Yeah. Like, that... I, I and we still don't really know. I guess like we also just talked about the love boat. Well, yeah, <laughs> for people who who where this might have gotten buried by next week, do you have like a, like briefly? Can you explain it? Because I it's I just, saw snippets, but I didn't piece it together. Yeah. Oh, so apparently, I need to double check on this. Yeah. But I was I think I had heard from somebody that it was this Holland America cruise ship that I had been on before. Um, uh, as we have established on this podcast, I have ships. been on a cruise. Well, all cruise ships, they know that they're huge disease vectors. All cruise ships are haunted. <laughs> well, yes, that too. But like also all cruise ships, it's kind of insane when you get on it, takes some of the romanticism out of it because you have Curel stations like at every single doorway. Really? Because even without a pandemic going on, they know that like if things are not spit spot, ship shape, one might say, um, <laughs> it's I really I appreciated easy. the spit spot reference yeah. back to <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we're circling back, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that it's really easy for it to be, you know, for diseases to break out. I on think ships. it's also like people don't ever think about this stuff unless it's bad. And so when it is bad and you think about incubation chambers as every crowd is a potential incubation chamber and especially a cruise ship. Um, I think like a lot of the big disasters recently, what's scary about this is like it's not the disaster itself necessarily. It's that the human failure in the response is terrifying they fucked up with the cruise ship. Right. That was the whole thing. And then there was a thing yesterday about how Trump sent people in like without the proper oh, protective yeah. gear. Just like Katrina or I was anything. Say, it's like the FEMA yeah. thing, but all yeah. over and over and scaled up. Yeah, yeah. It's just like there is no infrastructure for something like this. And even in America, <laughs> especially, and even in places like China and Japan where there is better and more infrastructure, like they can't handle it necessarily either. No, the tiny little bugs will take us down. Um, So I just did my second round of fact checking Uh and 
Uh, I was on a, a cruise ship that has been quarantined. It's not the Japanese one. It's the one that's in Cambodia. So they're oh. quarantining multiple cruise ships. Yeah, there are multiple cruise Ooh. ships. So. And a jungle cruise boat. Spring break. Uh, spring, spring break. <laughs> forever and ever. <laughs> I just heard a story about a jungle cruise boat in Disney World that sprang a leak. Oh, dear. <laughs> and that water supposedly has leeches in it. Ah! Cool. <laughs> um, before we let Samara go, let's take one last night email. Okay, so this night email comes to us from John, and John writes, Last fall, when my cat was around two years old, she started having seizures. We controlled for different causes we thought might be the reason for them, not letting her downstairs in the evenings, thinking maybe it was the headlights of passing cars and so on. After her fifth or sixth seizure that we witnessed, my parents decided to take her to the vet. They packed her up, and the vet did all the possible tests they could to identify a cause for the seizures. They all came back normal, and the last resort was just to give her cat Xanax so she'd be too loopy to have any. My parents said thanks and left the vet, and just like any other PhD-having couple, they decided to take the cat to a witch doctor because she was already in her carriage and doesn't like to leave the house. They found someone outside the city and said that the cat had caught some evil eye, Nazar, said it was either directed at the cat or more likely at the household, and it was then absorbed by the cat. My parents live in Turkey, so this kind of thing is not unheard of. The person that then gave the cat a little necklace with a small silver coin and an amber bead on it for protection. I was so ready to roast my parents for their decision soon as the next inevitable seizure hit. However, it's been over six months now, and she has yet to have another one. Here's, and then he sent a couple of pictures of his cat, who's all better, enjoying her juju necklace. Her bling. Um, it's a very cute cat. It's a calico. It looks like my mom's cat. Love calicos. Um, I guess, I think that's a calico, right? Let me see. Mm, oops. Nope, that's a coronavirus article. <laughs> <laughs> Less cute. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. a calico. Is it cute calico? Calicos are only ladies, right? Calicorona. I think so. I think calicos are only female cats. But I might be making that oh, up. And here she is. She has her little necklace on. Oh, she she's unhexed. <laughs> um, I has anybody tried any uh, alternative approaches to pet care? I'm very interested in using CBD. We have a vet friend um, who we know through a mom group, and she is a very wise. She's like a veterinarian and uh, offers advice like sometimes if people have questions about pets. And so she's been interesting to talk to about CBD for pets because it's largely untested and you don't know the source of the CBD or how pure it is yeah. or whatever. But I I love CBD, mm-hmm. which is very cliched. But I'm you like, I have, old, give, I have an we've, old dog. We've give you have CBD you sponsors yeah. on this podcast. It's true. I love Sagely Naturals. And that <laughs> yeah. is, they've already uh, done their ad. This is an, a non-ad now. Freebie. Freebies. Um, I have to say this so ties in with um, like what I do for a living. But also, um, I got to work in the Soudan house, which I don't know. Do you oh, guys know yeah. It? It's That's like the, the murder house. It's on Franklin. The Black Dahlia oh. house. It's the uh, Franklin. Frank Lloyd Wright's son's house, so it like has a Frank Lloyd Wright quality, but also like has kind of a wannabe quality. Yeah. But famously, in the fifties, there were some murders, some some unsolved murders there, and there's like a lower chamber, etc. Um, I w- I did a I did a TV show, I dialect coached a TV show that was about that and um, about the Black Dahlia murder. Yeah, and all yeah. That. The gentleman who rents out that house because he lives in it now. Mm. 
That is his job, CBD for dogs. Really? Oh. That's his job. Whoa. I think I knew that, actually, I thought somehow. it was dog food. I heard that it was dog food. Well, it's dog food laced then. It's because I have, look, I have like, you know, when you're on set, you have like 12 hours to like yeah. pass the time when, when nothing's happening and they're like lighting shit. And I was like, let's look for this brochure. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> also, I'm like, is CBD for dogs like doing that great? You can rent I mean, people say. I think it's a side hustle because he yeah. doesn't need it. Oh. Yeah. Okay. But you know what? Who, who am I to say? I was really like, ooh, should I get People into CBD say it's for a dogs? booming biz. <laughs> I mean, because I, I think it's like when you're making the CBD, you can market it for dogs or people as long as you're not making my friend it who's a chocolate. Vet, like, who works at a vet was like, yeah. you should try CBD for one of my cats. That's really uh, neurotic. Molly has a very neurotic cat. It's yeah. been discussed on the pod before. I mean, have you tried a, um, a uh, an anti-hex necklace? <laughs> no, <laughs> I haven't. You should. It's very cute. Yeah. It's in CBD oil. But today I gave one, I thought about trying to get one of them on a leash, and I got it a harness that is like a little orange safety vest. <laughs> Was it immediately like, no take this off i did it once to my cat and he's he like let out yeah. a scream so i was like i guess not that's not for you yeah he uh, he tolerated it oh really <laughs> that's good yeah i Our mean cats will tolerate a hat i feel like we need jane marie's blessing to promote cbd for animals but i'm uh well, i think the thing I'm with cbd it when is it's that a lot of it's not real but when right. it is real yeah. i think mm. it does work i mean it's nice to toss a little thc in the mix I guess you can't really do that to a pet, but that does, like, boost things. Tess said the Sagely Naturals uh, made her neck feel better. No, it's true. I really like I mean, I genuinely liked it. I had not. I'd used a CBD balm before um, that I thought was just okay. But this, I was like, also because it, you know, we got freebies. I was like, just slap it on. It was great. Well, if you have ever given weed to your cat, <laughs> CBD, CBD, okay. uh, or if you have tried any alternative approaches to pet care, give us a night call at one two four zero four six night, and you can also give us a night email at nightcallpodcasts at gmail dot com. Also, if your pet is haunted or has been hexed, I want to hear that too. Oh, yeah, My favorite yeah. part of that whole letter is that is that they thought that the um, cat was the one that was absorbing yeah. the curse for the entire yeah. household. It was taking one for the team there. Yeah. I mean, wouldn't that be awful if you like went to the trouble to hex someone's household and the cat was the <laughs> yeah. one who got yeah. hexed? That's just awful. <laughs> this That's is not useless. Who you Think about yeah. all the ways they could inconvenience your enemies, son. That's true. Just. <laughs> Just asking for food constant throwing middle up middle of the night yeah. yeah peeing on the floor it's true cats cats are powerful beings well samara thank you so much for joining us on the podcast would you like to tell people where they can find you on social media and or your podcast oh my god why i would be happy to well, thank hooray. you so much um yes i uh i just launched this podcast it's called permission to speak and uh, it's on iHeart and elsewhere. And um, the website is permission to speak pod.com and the Instagram is permission to speak pod. I would love to hear from people about their voices. I mean, everyone's got an opinion about their voice. So is it about people's voices or is it about your dialect coach career or is it both? It's actually it's the of... dialect coaching is a minor jumping off point for a much larger conversation mm-hmm. about the intersection of our voices and power in society. And mm-hmm. by our, I don't even just mean women. I mean any anybody who feels like they've been shut out of power for one reason or another. Right, right. Um, because I coach people who are politicians and entrepreneurs and, and people who are pitching for the first time, it's really not just about your accent. It's about like, how do we scale up yeah. the version of ourselves that we really love? Yeah. 
when are there new episodes? Wednesday? Every single Wednesday. Wednesdays, baby. That's great. Can't wait to listen. Yeah, it's right here on iHeart uh, Podcast. So check it out. Thanks again for joining us, Samara. And we will be back after the break with Spring Breakers. Take it all off. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Tired of endless diets and weight loss struggles? It's time to say goodbye to frustration and hello to results. Introducing Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD, your breakthrough solution to fight stubborn body fat. Imagine burning fat, balancing glucose levels, and regulating metabolism in just 12 weeks. This unique two-in-one product combines the power of two clinically studied ingredients in one revolutionary formula. Berberine, which targets abdominal fat, and OEA, which curbs your appetite, with just two capsules a day, Smart Metabolic Burn by BrainMD can kickstart your metabolism, fight stubborn body fat, especially that pesky abdominal fat, and support your weight management journey. Right now, save over 30% on Smart Metabolic Burn at GetSmartBurn.com, the lowest price anywhere. That's GetSmartBurn.com. Don't delay. Transform your life with Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Our products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Welcome back to Night Call. So, I don't know if you can see this on the title of this week's episode, but this is the 100th episode of Night Call. Somehow we made it to 100 episodes, guys. I feel like we need to have like a vuvuzela in here. Very <laughs> <impressive>. <laughs> we need... 
We need to drop the Spring Breakers music in. I know, yeah, we, we need do. the Skrillex. Um, for our 100th episode, and because we are kicking off Spring Break Week here, we thought it was only appropriate to go back to one of our inspiring uh, sources, vision board items, uh, what have you, from, uh, from Girls in Hoodies, from the Girls in Hoodies days back in Grantland, and that is Harmony Korean's Spring Breakers from 2012 slash 2013, uh, theatrical release 2013. But uh, one of the most important movies of the decade, maybe? Uh, we can get into its legacy a little bit later. but uh, So much has happened since this movie came out to yeah. affect one's opinion of Spring Breakers. Yeah, it is really... Um, I don't know if stands the test of time is the right word for it, but I think it, like, it has been refracted through the test of time, yes. I think. Um, which makes it even more interesting to talk about, I think. I mean, yeah. I think when we all discussed it on Girls in Hoodies, we were mostly of the opinion that this was a delicious film. I think back then we had kind of thought of it as being more feminist than not in, in most ways. Like, we didn't feel like it was horribly sexist and clueless and tone deaf. And I don't, and I don't think it necessarily is. But a lot of the people involved in this movie, even if I'm also referring to Riff Raff, who was not technically involved in this movie, um, involved. yeah, have have had some some Me Too and yeah issues of that ilk. I think I did and still consider this movie like a curio. Um, I I forgot it was A24. It was one of the first so A24 releases. Like, oh, is this one of the first A24 movies? It was. Um, it was, and it was one of the first Annapurna movies too. I feel like it was like this and Zero Dark Thirty, which really tells you where we were at in 2013. What a fun time! <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, and 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 both of those ultimate girl boss movie, Zero <laughs> Dark Thirty. <laughs> I had such a probably wrong interpretation of that movie always which is that I thought it was like a, maybe it can be my interpretation is right but I thought Zero Dark Thirty was a movie about like a woman who becomes like as evil as the most evil men in the world in order to become like mm. to succeed and that my reading of it was like at the end when she's in the plane and they're just like looking at her face she's like what have I done yeah but then I think that's oh, not did, what it was at all. I think it was just straight propaganda, yeah. and I was just projecting my own stuff on top of it. Yeah, it's about. been a long time since I saw that one. Well, because yeah, I was like, I Catherine like, Bigelow right. was in like the most macho phase of directors. She became a successful, powerful director. Like, how does a woman achieve that in fucking 1980s Hollywood? Yeah, especially you have to like turn off all of your emotions and morals. Um, yeah, um, but. Yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, Spring Breakers, the performances by the girls all hold up great. Yeah. Oh, oh, okay. Well. No? Um, so here's. To I, me. I remember, and rewatching this this week, I remember it all flooded back to me how watching this in the theater, especially in a dark room where, you know, you're you're really in the film. I was just like. I would be miserable if I was stuck around these girls. And I think that – and I recognize a lot of the ticks of a just do stuff and I'll film you improvisational type film. And I think that some people are very good at that and some people are less good at that. I would put them, like, firmly in the middle in this one. I think, like – I think that there's a lot of just, like – there's only a certain amount of times when people are just like lolling around in parking lots and doing handstands and stuff where I'm like, okay, 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 I got it. You guys are friends. <laughs> like, but I mean that, that I think though, 
more so than maybe watching it in 2013, I definitely feel like we are meant to think they are assholes um, more so than than then. I think. Well, they're assholes except for Selena Gomez. Sure. And she represents the girl that wants to go home, which is apparently right. all of us. I think we thought at the time. Also, we were like, we'd all go home. Oh, <laughs> like, yeah. No, I fully, <laughs> I fully, and especially now, like that scene where. I just think Selena Gomez is so good in this movie. I She's agree. I and yeah, saying yeah. this in a voice like she sings her songs. And yeah. <laughs> whisper pop. Well, for those who have not seen Spring Breakers and missed out on an entire cinematic revolution of the 2010s, uh, do one of you guys want to just go over what it is real quick? It's it a, takes like one second. It's, <laughs> it's the dubstep movie. Yeah, it is the Skrillex movie. It's a Skrillex um, movie. It's about a group of college girls who rob a fast food place like a restaurant chicken, a chicken shack yeah, for money and then use it to go on a spring break trip to florida they meet uh james franco alien as a guy named alien based on riffraff and he takes them deeper into a floridian underworld of crime also again based on dangerous with two s's and a U in there <laughs> oh yeah uh, but riffraff clearly also an inspiration for this movie. Yeah. I, I went into like a whole Wikipedia spiral over that because I remembered it as like, of course, it was Riff Raff, but in the time since the movie was released and now um, Riff Raff tried to sue the mm-hmm. movie for stealing his life as inspiration. Then he promoted it across his social media and then um, I believe he was accused of rape. And at the time, I remember being like, Riff Raff. Oh, Riff Raff. Such, well, such a charming Well, this character. was the, an ongoing theme of the 2000s was people that we now know better and being like, oh, that scamp. Yeah, That exactly. lovable scamp just scamping around. And now, you know, you kind of have to see it a little more Some soberly. of these people, though, like Kevin Spacey always seemed like a huge creep. So then when it came out like that Kevin Spacey was a huge creep, I was like... That does not seem super surprising. And I felt a little bit that way about Franco, especially when he started being like, also, I'm a poet. poet. Also, I run an acting school, you know, just like. Yeah, there's something about trying to be a literary figure that like immediately skeezes me out 10 times more than trying to be an actor or like a Hollywood person. you're not actually that smart (laughs) and it shows in all your writing, but people like publish it anyway because you're famous. Mm -hmm. I I mean... Well, I I was just I think it's very funny that he is like 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 Alien is a poet in this movie and like composes some poems over the course of the film and I'm pretty <laughs> sure that James Franco probably composed it those. It seems that way. Which is a very funny legacy for the era of James Franco poet. Um <laughs> It's like this was the most probably well seen and um, yeah, like the most high profile poetry that he will be remembered for. It's like the four little chickies down on the beach. Four little chickies. Yeah. I mean, the movie still feels actually like because nothing bad happened, like nothing really bad happens to them till the very end. Right. Unlike other spring break movies where it's like the girls are punished for like wanting to have fun. Right. And be sexual as in another spring break movie we'll watch soon called Where the Boys Are. That's very good. Original spring breakers. It was the original spring breakers, but with song. Yeah. Like these like these girls. It's not like something they don't get assaulted sexually in the movie, which is what makes it feel light as a movie. Oh, see, I see my 
feeling about it. And I, I had this inkling about it just because a lot of the race stuff in it really kind of you're like, that's a choice. Yeah. It's and bad. I think I think, well, no, I think it's actually more intentional than maybe I think that it was something that was discussed and criticized a lot of the time. And I think with more and more hindsight, it feels super intentional to me. And it does feel like a story about hot girl white feminism. And it is like, you know, taking the worst lessons from like white males and the violence and the greed and uh, and then claiming that as your own and then murdering black and brown people. Like that feels that feels like what this movie encapsulates to me now, which is why I say that these girls all feel like assholes to me. Do you think Harmony Corinne thinks that's what it's about? I do. Yeah. I And I think at, in 2013, I would have said maybe not. Maybe that's something we're projecting onto it. But I think watching it this time around, it's feels so unmistakable. Um, I don't think that he's thinking about it in such academic terms, but I don't think that the casting and like the depiction of the different sides of this Florida underbelly, like one side being represented by James Franco uh, and the other side being represented by Gucci Mane, like I feel like they are very intentionally, uh, there's like a line drawn there. Yeah. I mean, Vanessa Hudgens is not white. She's also great in this movie yeah i mean i think what i liked about it at the time that i still like about it was the fact that like it took selena gomez and vanessa hudgens seriously as actresses the way that like a young dude might get to be in an indie movie and be like look he's playing a heroin addict he's dark like they gave very good performances because nobody expects anything Mm -hmm. of teen actresses um, for them to be good at all. And I do just think Selena Gomez has like a sort of soulfulness. I love Selena yeah. Gomez. No, I, I Again, think she's just awesome. sadness to her. All that... of the monologue stuff, like the the message that she's over the phone conversation she's having with her grandma is just like, you need her to deliver that. Because it's, yeah. it's very, and it the hits. the stuff about the like, just the Bible study. Mm-hmm. Like I like that whole part too mm-hmm. a lot. Well, I think when Emily was also talking about how it's kind of white feminism, I think for me, it was definite that I, you know, it it did seem more intentional. It seemed like there was a more of a message than I saw the first time. But to me, I saw it really as like a, a class thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think yeah, that too. That that was like that's a very I, and I think that I got the sense of that when I first watched the movie. But I think now in 2020, it's much um, easier to kind of pull it together into a narrative because I think that initially um Harmony Corinne had kind of like pitched this as just a mood piece mm-hmm. and just like a a like sensory a tactile kind of movie and that the plot was almost secondary to mm-hmm. that and also I think um he said that he had like missed out on spring breaks so as a way of kind of like experiencing what he thought it would be like but then t- twisting it into this yeah. kind of nightmare but I think like you know, when you do kind of see like the power dynamic flipped in the way that it is, that's really striking. And then you notice how it's like, but it's also the same power dynamic yeah. that yeah, it has always existed. Right. Yeah. And it obviously treats like the movie treats Gucci Mane as like a figure of reverence, mm-hmm. which I don't think everybody thought was what it did. Big arch. Yeah. I don't <laughs> know if you need the outside context of knowing about Gucci Mane to mm-hmm. like enjoy this movie. Yeah. But... I like that he casts some non-actors. Again, I feel like it does just kind of feel like a natu- semi-naturalistic teen exploitation movie. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that there's, 
There's definite nods to like, I mean, the whole stretch from when they get arrested to when they get bailed out and they're just like in their bikinis the entire time. And it just feels like very much a nod to like the kind of exploitation movie that it could be. And I think that it's like very knowing and like funny in that way. Um, I Yeah, I just think like. I think the stuff that's interesting to Matt, I I mean, these are not complaints. Like, what I am, like, saying I'm noticing this time around is not a complaint. Like, I feel like I appreciate the movie more. Because I think, like, the times, the the most interesting moments in the movie to me now, like, and one of them was my original favorite part of the movie, which is when they make James Franco fillet the gun. Yeah, definitely. Um, We all agree that's the best part of the movie. It's the best part. And it still is. Because you're like, fuck you. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But, like, even before then, there are all these moments where they just like turn on a dime and kind of become these like appetite driven monsters. And it's really scary. It's like, it's like very, um, I think it feels like a really evocative uh, encapsulation, maybe not of like how a real person would be, but kind of like what young people are subjected to and like how they are like driven to have these like violent appetites for like money and escape and like very fleeting, you know, pleasures and stuff like that, which I think like, I I think we can all identify with some of that. But I think seeing it in this like hyper neon, very extreme version is like, it's very striking. Like, and I think that's really well done. That's it's well directed and it's well acted by them. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of beach towns have like a seedy underside. There's something that goes along with being a tourist place that does breed this sort of weird uh, economy. Oh, it's so true. I mean, yeah. I, I that's something that I, in retrospect, feel almost guilty about just in terms of participating. Like, I, Don't you feel know, guilty. I, but you know it's... I love spring break. Just the way <laughs> that you treat a town mm-hmm. that in your mind is intended to be a playground. You know what I mean? It's right. you, you, There's a point in your life when you really have no concept. It's not that you're going in and being an asshole to everybody. It's just that by kind of like descending upon a place, acting as if, you know, it's that this is how life always is here and you displace people. I mean, in in a way, like when you talk about the Olympics, like on a much smaller and and different scale, it plays out in a similar way. Like the economy is just completely shifted for a season and then abandoned. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? And and it's I think that there are probably some realities to that that you would only know if you lived in a place like Panama City Beach or St. Petersburg. Um, And it's and it also seems in a way to be like, I don't know, not unique to Florida. Obviously, this this is, you know, any kind of place with like a large tourism draw. Mm-hmm. But Florida, it's interesting, like how kind of emblematic of the spring break culture and just of, of tourism yeah. and vacation culture. Well, and Florida's also when become. we were talking about sort of pandemic fears earlier to right. tie it back in, you think about like when a place is so dependent on tourism for the economy, it's like then if something like a like a illness like you know stops the normal cycle of things from happening like those people don't get paid and it's not their fault yeah Yeah. I wonder how it'll affect like Las Vegas as well I mean that's when you start thinking about how this could play out that's when it starts to get terrifying oh yeah because you're like well you have to shut down public transportation like avoid crowds I was like how can you avoid crowds and I know how you can avoid crowds crowds. (laughs) yeah it's, yeah. And it also, and then when you start seeing the adjustments that could be made if this became like a real, like a real threat, 
you just have no sense of when it would end. Yeah. And and then if you have very little faith in our administration, as I think a lot of people do, uh, there's the sense that that can be used to manipulate you. I went on a thing about well, this, you guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> I went to the darkest place. I just read, I just wrote a thing about tiki culture where I learned everything about tiki bar culture. Uh, and one of the things I learned was that it came up during the Great Depression because it was people's like idealized fantasy of visiting the South Seas and the Polynesian Islands. Um, but it wasn't actually about going. It was just like this fantasy yeah. of going to the tropical place. And then yeah. they were like, we're going to recapture it with this drink. Um, They're also such good drinks. And it's so much fun to well, have a tiny toy in it your It was drink. also at the end of Prohibition. So it was right. like a double barrel of like, you can drink again. And also everyone's broke. It's healthy. It has juice in it. <laughs> you can put cornflakes in it. But I feel like that's also how spring break and just like the concept of vacation operates in like the imagination of the average person. Yeah. Uh, there's, yeah. There's like a Baudrillard essay that's all about just how like the idea of vacation just like is what people use to mark how good of a time they think they're having. Right, yeah. I mean, that's why I like the Selena Gomez voiceover stuff because it's not the woohoo spring break, let's go get fucked up thing that she's expressing. It's like a much deeper kind of sentiment that I think anybody, even people who've just been on a normal vacation can identify mm -hmm. with, which is just like, I don't want to see the same things every single day. I want to go someplace and like really understand myself there. And it's very like, it's sort of like winky doing it over these shots of, you know, people just like wiggling their bare breasts around and like jacking off beers into each other's mouths um but i think like but it also is like kind of very touching because it's like yeah i mean there is a kind of humanity to even this shit at a certain point yeah. and people are only There's doing totally this because humanity to it. people need to release well yeah well yeah and people are only doing this like because of a series of like cultural cues that tells them they should do this and that they are going to find those things if they do that and like i think that some people obviously have great transcendent experiences i'm sure we'll hear about tessas at some point <laughs> this month and some people don't some people well, are Sel selena gomez's but it's like you still go out with the optimism <laughs> that you are going to like connect with other people and like yeah. have some sort of new transformative experience. I think Tess had Florida. some Selena Gomez experience. Well, that's well. I had one really great one and two not so good ones, to be honest. But I'll I'll spill the beans yeah, in our Patreon.com newsletter. Uh, I mean, I think that's the other thing, obviously, about vacation. But in spring break in particular, I think um, when you have a a plan to drink as much as possible. Like, it's hard because you can go into it with the intentions of having it, like the voiceover, where it's like, it doesn't have to be the way that it always ends up being. I mm -hmm. mean, that, and that also, like, kind of speaks to, like, an alcoholic mindset oh, yeah. of yeah. just, like, you in your mind, it's going to be this. And then, like, the reality is so... Yeah. Not that you're you chasing know? this like ideal five hours of like perfect exactly. inebriation there's where a, nothing yeah. bad happens. Exactly, right. and I think there's like the gap between people's expectations of their vacation and like what it's actually like is mm -hmm. such an interesting thing because it's like people that is how people sort of motivate themselves to keep going. It's like and then gotta get to my vacation. Can afford to go on a vacation. Well, and, and like it a better be the best. Yeah, and a spring break particularly like what's specific about spring break is like a lot of people's first time going on vacation without their family exactly totally and so it is like a very you know big first experience to go out in the world and do something just with friends as an adult being treated like an adult like buying your own tickets to go 
do something. And um, yeah, I think I I mean I have I have never done a spring break. There's still time. Take a break. (laughs) Come in and take a break. Yeah. Yeah, and I think people have various versions of it. The Florida going to Florida is the classic, Mm -hmm. but you know I'm sure there's other people who are like you went to Montreal, Molly. I did go to Montreal for my spring break. I'll tell that story. Yeah, at some point too. <laughs> Is it like a vice themed spring break? <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's uh, silly, so it'll fit on our podcast. <laughs> well, before we wrap up today, should we take one last night call? A spring break night call? Let's do it. Yeah. Okay. Hi, night call. This is Leah. I'm calling in with my spooky spring break story. Um, so, when I was in high school, I was friends with someone. Um, his name was Ryan, and he was a year younger than me, and he was like the total goof, class clown, um, sort of like punk kid everybody loved. And um, when I was a senior, and he was a junior towards the end of the year, he got into a horrific skateboarding accident. Um, I promise this is not, this this has to do with spring break. Um, he w- was in a coma for a really long time, and then he came out of it and, you know, sort of okay, but by that time I went off to college. So my freshman year of college, I drove um, with my best friend Alex down to Rocky Point, Mexico, which is, um, I grew up in Tucson, Arizona, and Rocky Point is like this sort of sleepy beach town that is um, has like disgusting spring break full of people from high school. Um, it's like a four-hour drive. Tucson. So um, I get there, we get there, we're at this bar, it was like, you know, just the grossest version of spring break. And I see my friend Ryan, who I haven't seen since he came out of the coma. And he just really has this dazed, completely bewildered look on his face. And, you know, I was like, hi, oh my God, Ryan, <laughs> how are you? Do you, do you want a shot? Um, like an asshole that I am. And he was just like, I um, could we go outside for a minute? So we um, went outside, and he just basically looked at me and was like, I don't know who I am anymore. I don't know who I'm supposed to be. And was essentially having a very intense um, identity crisis because of the coma and was saying to me that he, he kept saying, I knew... I know the part I'm supposed to play, um, but I don't know how to do it anymore. And meanwhile, like, people inside are screaming. I am also hammered, of course, (laughs) really um, not equipped to provide the emotional support uh, that this person really needed. Uh, I think a couple came out and were, like, making out really close to us. um, And uh, it was very intense. And I think it just sort of ended with, like, I gave him a hug and was like, you'll get there, something like that. And then um, went back inside and um, finished spring break. And uh, also I remember taking a car home that a friend of ours drove very um, irresponsibly and my other friend Alex um, thought we had stolen a taxi. (laughs) That's it. Um, I love you. I love Night Call. I'm a Night Call head. Happy spring break. (laughs) 
<laughs> Tremendous. Oh my god. Thank you, Leah. Thank you so much, Thank Leah. Thank you, Leah. I think that really gets at the heart of the existential reckoning within the very idea of spring break itself. Yeah, because yeah. you can't escape like being a human. You right. think you can yeah. and just go for the fun, but then there's the inconvenience of being a human in a human society. Also, there's tons of ways to dissociate and feel like another person other than drinking copious amounts of alcohol. <laughs> Turns out you yeah. could just get a coma. Could be in a coma. Um, I forget, how long did she say he'd been in a coma or did she say? Uh, I don't know she said. Can you imagine? Ugh. No, I cannot imagine. And I, I don't know what I would say to that person either, yeah. especially if you know them and you're like, I don't know. Well, that must be, I mean, it's, it's hard to... And you're like, something more alienating. And yeah. you're 18. Yeah. Yeah. You don't know what to say right. to that person. Yeah. I hope they have found peace. I hope, I, yeah, they figured yeah. it out. Um, what yeah, a horrible I, thing oh, to go through. Definitely don't go to a spring, like a trashy spring break <laughs> hangout if that's where you are. But, but maybe like, he thought he could escape from maybe, his problems. Yeah. And it's like, it's probably so hard to even leave the house. It's like, you eventually you just have to try and throw yourself into yeah, it. Yeah. And, and especially, I mean, if you isolate yourself, and I'm imagining this is probably back, I mean, when we were in high school, there wasn't like that much internet. So you're so isolated unless you go to where your friends are and they're the people who have like the missing pieces of who you are that your family would I'm now I'm obsessed with this because <laughs> um, it's fascinating it's like you would need your friends to tell you but if you don't know how you are you wouldn't know how to act yeah. around them at all yeah if your friends are like hey here's what you used to be like right. that would also be so yeah. now pretend to know. be that way again. yeah oh weird well we well, hope Ryan um is okay now. Yeah. <laughs> and please give us your spring break stories at 24046 night. Yeah. They or can be horror stories or not. That's right. Good stories, bad stories, scary stories, haunted stories, questions, <laughs> theories. Yeah. Um, we're going to be doing spring break month all March here on Night Call. So we've got time for all of them. And you can also give us an email at nightcallpodcast at gmail.com. And that does it for this week. Uh, We'll be back next week with more spring break stories. In the meantime, you can follow us on social media. We are on Twitter at NightCallPod, Instagram at NightCallPodcast, and Facebook at NightCallPodcast. You can also follow our Patreon. We're at patreon.com slash nightcall. And please, as always, rate, review, and subscribe to our show on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll see you all next week. Spring break. Nightcall is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. 
Tired of endless diets and weight loss struggles? It's time to say goodbye to frustration and hello to results. Introducing Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD, your breakthrough solution to fight stubborn body fat. Imagine burning fat, balancing glucose levels, and regulating metabolism in just 12 weeks. This unique two-in-one product combines the power of two clinically studied ingredients in one revolutionary formula, berberine, which targets abdominal fat, and OEA, which curbs your appetite. With just two capsules a day, Smart Metabolic Burn by BrainMD can kickstart your metabolism, fight stubborn body fat, especially that pesky abdominal fat, and support your weight management journey. Right now, save over 30% on Smart Metabolic Burn at GetSmartBurn.com, the lowest price anywhere. That's GetSmartBurn.com. Don't delay. Transform your life with Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Our products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. What's up, y'all? Janice Torres here. And I'm Austin Hankwitz. We're the hosts of Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories, a podcast presented by iHeartRadio's Ruby Studios and Intuit QuickBooks. Join us as we speak with small business owners about the tools they use to turn their ideas into success. From finding that initial spark of entrepreneurship to organizing payments and invoices, we've got you covered. So follow and listen to Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts.